Not yet. <laughs> seeks out his flock 
when he is among his sheep that hath been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of cloud and thick darkness. Father, we thank you once again that uh, we have a moment to intersect with your word. Um, to bring to the conscience of the people something from the Word of God. It is great to sing songs. It is great to testify. But there is a unique ministry of the Word of God that cannot be replaced. Uh, that's what made the people of Israel different. They were entrusted with the oracles of God. And that's what makes us different as your people. You have entrusted us with your word. And how we engage with that word will make all the difference in the world for our lives. And so we simply ask you to help us in our weakness. Help us, Lord, today to speak, to receive, to listen. Have your way in us, Lord. I believe that you are speaking to this church as you have in the past in so many wonderful ways, but we see the merging of themes coming together wonderfully that we could have never orchestrated that only you did it. And I pray that everyone here that considers uh, hope their church would really take it to heart. I pray that us, me and Ron would take it to heart. We're not any different. Capable of the same um, or distractions, the same, but we need your help. So speak to us, guide us, and lead us this Lord this afternoon. We pray, Amen. So we've been looking at this passage, and we're going to go right into our. We made two observations so far, as you, as you, you know. I, I like to, I like, I have a method to my madness, you know, in terms of the Bible. <laughs> And um, I, I like to take, uh, extract out verbal ideas, and then I, I'll, I'll, I'll eat that verbal idea for a couple of weeks, and then I'll move on to the next verbal idea. And uh, the first verbal idea is, for thus says the Lord God, God has spoken. All right, and then we go to the second one. I want us to look at the second one quickly. Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep. And um, so we, we normally ask a series of six questions of the text. Uh, you should have your own, you, you should, um, and the reason I have these six, you can know, if you ask me, why do you have six, not seven, I mean, you know, there are reasons why um, I wanted to guard myself against, you know, haphazard interpretation of the Bible. I wanted, I want, I wanted to be guided by truth and principle, and, you know, so I came up with six questions. You know, most people have three questions. I said, that wasn't good enough for me. Uh, I wanted six. I needed, I needed a little bit more granularity in understanding the scriptures, right? So I ask these six questions. One is, um, what does the text say? And for observation number two, the Lord God himself will search for the sheep. Right? So I, I, I try to, I try to, as much as possible, say it in my own words, what I think the Lord is saying. Secondly, I ask the question, what does that mean in its historical context? Um, my context is not priority. The historical context is the priority. Right, that's where it starts. God spoke in that context, in that culture. We got to take it seriously. And we said that the leaders of Israel 
fail to search for the children of Israel. That's what, you know, they basically the leaders of Israel, they, they fail to search. They, God is, is doing something that they clearly the leaders of Israel fail to do. And we began to ask the question, what does it mean to search? And without getting into all of it again, we began to see that one of the ways that the Bible uses that Hebrew word is to inquire. Particularly to inquire of the Lord. So the, the leaders of Israel failed to inquire of the Lord concerning the sheep. Right? And so, so we began to ask the third question. So what are some general principles of truth that we can derive from this verbal idea? Spiritual leaders fail when they cease to intercede, to inquire of the Lord on behalf of the sheep. Total failure. And we're going we're to look at a little bit more today about some of that failure. I felt the Lord uh, put something in my heart last night. Right, so the spiritual leaders fail when they, when they do not intercede regularly, when they don't inquire of the Lord. That's why, you know, Jesus said, my house should be called the house of prayer. There, there are reasons why he says that. Not a house of preaching, not a house of singing. It's not a house of prayer. It's a house of prayer. He says fundamentally, it's a house of prayer. You have to wrestle with that. What does that mean? If it's a house of prayer, why is there so little prayer in the church? Right? Is that is that like a, a base? You know, if God, if Jesus said that, that my house should be called a house of popcorn, right? You would think that every time you go into his house, what do you smell? Popcorn. <laughs> it's, like, it's not complicated. If you smell chocolate chip cookies, it smells good. Wow! But it's not popcorn. In my own mind, I gotta, I gotta make it simple. And I remember years ago, I made it simple. If God says a house of prayer, not a house of preaching, not a house of singing, those things as important as they are, very important. I had to wrestle. Oh God, have mercy! And I'll never forget one day I was praying, and I felt the Lord just say, um, "By the way, my house is a house of prayer." You can build your house. You can do whatever you want with your house. But my house is a house of prayer. So, you know, you can do whatever you want. You can build your house, whatever you right? You get, you get, everyone will give account at the end, but there's latitude. But, but I mean, the Lord made it so clear. Um, just want you to reinforce my house. House. I'll never forget that. But leaders fail, right? And so, but fourth question, fourth question. So we're, we're right? Fourth question. I hope, and I hope this is helpful if you guys are interested in Bible study. We want to do a class. I mean, Ron really has a passion for this, and we want to allow him to how to study the Bible. We don't study, we don't want to study the Bible, you're not going to grow in Christ. Fourth question that I, I feel like compelling, you have to ask always of every text, is how does this text anticipate Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of Jesus Every scripture has to do about Jesus. It took me. A, I never. I didn't. I didn't know that for the first like ten years of my life, Christian life. I didn't. I came to an understanding. <gasps> it's about Jesus. 
Everything's about Jesus. And it was so liberating. It took my focus away from me. You know, I'll never forget, I had this experience when I was a young believer. I, I read um, Isaiah chapter 42, I think it was. Behold my servant! I was, a, I, was, I, was a, I was a young believer, so don't laugh. Okay, you can mock me, but it's, But I read, Behold my servant, whom I uphold. And I said, Lord, speak. Yes, Lord. I am your servant. <laughs> Years ago, I said, It's not about me. <laughs> it was about who? Jesus. Okay. Well, see, we feel deflated. They're like, well, how about, how about me? <laughs> You must decrease. Christ must what? Increase. Increase. <laughs> I'm still like, I still remember that moment. <laughs> and I look back and say, Lord, you know. And there isn't, not, not that there isn't a place where the Lord encouraged our servanthood, but the point is that we got to start with Jesus. And be filled with him. And when you get filled with him, there's no room for, for me. <laughs> Amen. So how does this text fulfill or anticipate the fulfillment of Christ? Well, Christ is the good shepherd who will intercede for the sheep. He himself will come and search for the sheep and seek them. I mean, I love, I love that. I, I myself, except the redundancy in Hebrew, very rare instruction. Behold, I, I myself. Right? How, you know, Christ is that good shepherd. And then, Another question that I get from Isaiah 46, 10, the Lord says, I declare the end from the beginning. I, every time I speak, I declare the end. Yes. Well, then I ask my uh, fifth question. How does the text declare the end from the beginning? <laughs> and um, I think in the last days, when, when, I, when I start to understand that the scriptures are speaking about the end, and that God declares the end from the beginning, man, that transformed my Bible. Into. And I was like, wow. Something is coming. Something is coming where there's going to be this climactic failure in the church. Climactic eschatological failure, particularly among leadership. God's controversy climactically is not even with the with the with the, 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 the leaders of Israel. He's speaking. The, he's declaring the end from the beginning. He sees something. That's just a type of what's coming. This is failure. I believe we're in that failure right now. I believe that with all my heart, there has been a complete failure. Not in every single person, right? But, but as a whole. In the last days, there will be a major failure among church leaders and, and people in general to intercede for the people of God, to, 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 to search for the sheep, to inquire of the Lord, right? And then the last question I, I like to ask, right, which is appropriate, it's appropriate, don't forget about yourself, right, <laughs> how can we apply? I remember when I asked that question, now I remember someone said, should I say, how can I apply the text, or how can we apply? I, you know what I said? No, how can we apply? We've got to get rid of, you know, we've got to get rid of that, the text is me. Don't, don't turn it, turn it on us, right? How can we, as a people of God, apply this truth? Amen? And hey, let us, let us ask God to increase in us the spirit of intercession for the house of God. Amen?
And, you know, and, and I've been encouraging you Thursdays to come. And so we spent the first week of this, right, encouraging you to prayer and intercede. As we begin the new year, make your life a house of prayer. Can God describe you as a house of prayer? Can God say, wow, man, you, you are a continuous incense of prayer burn. Not for yourself, for others. <laughs> for the house of God, right? All of us fail. Come on, let's just be, <laughs> all of us fall short. But with God's grace, we can improve, we can grow. We can say, you know, Lord, I've been asking God, say, God, I want to take me deeper in intercession. I want, I want to know by the Spirit of God, I want to go deeper in interceding right, for the God's people, for the, the Church of Christ, for those members of hope. Right? I, I'm asking God. I don't know about you. Have you. Hopefully you have been encouraged to ask Him. May God increase a burden for God's people. Now last week, it's interesting how the Lord has been doing, directing us because we first put a stress two weeks ago on prayer. Last week, we put a stress on what? On scriptures. We said last week that when we come to the scriptures, we're not merely interested in accumulating Bible knowledge, but that our aim is to know God. And I really encouraged you in 2023, make the Bible also um, something that you want to grow in. Amen? Right? That, um, and the reason why the knowledge of, knowledge of God is the most important thing in life is because there is a direct relationship between the knowledge of God and eternal life. Look at John 17, 3. John 17, 3. And this is eternal life. We said that last week. I, I want to encourage you that they know you. Right? If you want, right? You know, some people say, oh, I have Jesus. I have eternal life. Yes. But how do I can live and, and function and be impacted in a real way by that eternal life that already resides in me. And that is to know God, to increase. It's not automatic. It's just, I wish it was automatic. But it's not. We have it. But then now there's a process of bringing out what we have on the inside. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Amen? Right, so that, and, and, and that part of that process, it's not just to be content. Well, I'm saved, praise the Lord. No, now you begin your life and growing and, 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 and it begins with the knowledge of Christ, the knowledge of the glory of God in Christ Jesus. But where do you find that knowledge? Dreams? Visions? YouTube? <laughs> no! In the scriptures, right? Look at John 539. John 5, 39. You search the scripture because you think that in them you have eternal life. He said, you're right. They're thinking correctly. In them there's eternal life. So search the scriptures. And so, so we've got to have a commitment. Have got to have a commitment to the scriptures. Well, today, guess what? The Lord wants to do full circle. There's something else the Lord put in my heart to encourage you as we begin this new year. We, we, we encouraged you two weeks ago, prayer. The, the leaders of Israel failed to inquire of the Lord on behalf of the people. Let's, let's pray for one another. Let's lift up one. Amen. Everybody was like really praying daily for each other. The sky's the limit to what God can do. 
Amen? But, but I think that we waffle because of the cares of life. Right? We, you know, I waffle, you, you waffle. You know, so, 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 so we're just asking God to strengthen that. But let's get into the scriptures too. Let's take the scriptures seriously. Let's grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. But today, the Lord's put something else. And, and it comes through this morning. I want us to take a moment to consider. I want us to put that scripture up, Ezekiel 34, 11. Because I want us to take a moment to consider the significance of the Lord's personal involvement. And this will, this will you know, and the Lord put this in my heart. I say, you know what, I'm just going to go in. Because I think the Lord is going somewhere. He's not done exhorting us for this year. I believe that God, some of you need to hear a call to prayer. Some of you need to hear a call to the word of God. Some of you need to hear what I have to say today. As we begin the new year. For thus saith the Lord God, behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. I'm going to come back to that. Remember, my goal is to finish uh, verse 11. And I will seek them out. Now when we get to that, it's going to get a little hot. It's going to get tough because that word means a lot. There, there's nothing to it, but, but I'm looking forward to really together we can say, God, do this in us. But I want to look at the reason, right? The Lord God's personal involvement in this matter is pointing. The fact that God says, behold, I, I myself right, will search, will seek. That's pointing to a concern of tremendous importance to God. I hope you can't, I, didn't, I, I, I felt I couldn't move on from God's personal involvement. From this declaration that, I, behold, I, I myself will do this, right? There is something that is pointing to a concern of tremendous importance to God. The necessity of God's personal involvement seems to suggest a particular kind of crisis. Right? That makes sense. You follow me? His involvement in such a direct way seems to just suggest there's something of serious magnitude going on here. And so I want to ask a question. I think I have a slide. What is the reason? why God is involving himself personally in the concern of Ezekiel 34. I couldn't move from this because I felt like I don't know that we got it. I don't know that I got it. When we read scripture, we're well, whatever. <laughs> we can be so nonchalant, but and we, don't, we don't carry what God, God said is. <gasps> what did he say? Is. Again, is. No, we're not like that. <laughs> we just got, we're just like, whatever, God. When you say is, why, why, yeah, whatever. <laughs> no, we need to take the word of God seriously. It just felt, I felt like, hmm. Why is the reason why God's involved in so personal? Do you know? Can you answer that question? You should know that God doesn't always act like this. That is, is pretty self-evident in the Bible. That God doesn't do this all the time. For example, when Israel was in slavery in Egypt, did God say, I myself will go out there? And no, he didn't. What did he do? He raised up Moses. So Moses was his instrument. Was God involved? Absolutely was he involved. But instrumentally through Moses. 
when Goliath, when Goliath was taunting the armies of Israel, did God say, well, you know what? I myself will go down there and I'll confront this Goliath. Did God do that? No. What did he do? He raised up little David. So again, God doesn't act like this. Something is up. Something, what is going on? What is bringing God, compelling God? An instrument will not do. It's a question. Right? The way after the knowledge of God. Something, something is very important to God, and we don't want to miss it. Right? Right? How many can say amen? I want to know. Lord, this is about, I need to know. But the primary God is acting in history it is through various appointed human instruments. But on this occasion, God, that will not do. So it seems obvious to me, I know it does to you, that God's personal involvement in Ezekiel 34 seems to suggest not just a crisis, but a climate of a crisis. Does that make sense? Uh, it's not just slavery in Egypt, crisis. Goliath, crisis, instrument. This in Ezekiel, no instrument. Um, I, it, it requires me personally involved. So to me, it's like, okay, this is a climate. This is it. Have you ever been, have you ever been to tech support? I was on, I was on textbook QuickBooks. And usually I know more than the person online. Because um, I've been working with QuickBooks for like 25 years. I'm like, look, so I, well, guess what I have, what, what happened? Um, can you direct me and elevate this call to your supervisor? <laughs> right, right, and, and you, know, you get to the point where it's like, you know what, uh, now you're not getting my, I, I need, right? And finally, I got to speak to your supervisor. I I escalated the call. In Ezekiel 34, the problem has been escalated to God. Is there anything greater than God getting personally involved. No. That's it. Climate. I think it's reasonable to think if God is getting personally involved, we've reached a climax of a crisis. There isn't like, there aren't any other options left. I mean, just to show you, study Ezekiel 34, because it's really, it's really speaking some serious important things for all of us. Because the situation is serious. It has been escalated to the point of divine personal involvement. I hope that this elevates your interest and desire for the concern in Ezekiel 34 because it will reveal spiritual matters that are most important to God. Um, which will help to accomplish our aim of knowing God. Right? We want to know God. We're not, we're not just learning Bible now. We want to know what makes God tick. We want to know what, way, what is it that He likes, dislikes. Right? It's what I like and dislike means zero. <laughs> it's like zilch on the negative scale. What God likes and dislikes, that means everything in the world. You know, we often, we often uh, put priority on things that we think are so important and they turn out to be an abomination to God. Do you know that? Look at Luke 16, 15. You've done this, I've done this. Look at Luke, and he said to them, you are those who justify yourself before men, 
but God knows your heart. For what is exalted among men is what? <laughs> Whoa! I mean, I mean, wow, that, that's pointing a little hard. I mean, come on. <laughs> it's like, I mean, you don't really mean the abomination. Yeah. You, our righteousness are as what? Filthy rags. So, so, in, in today's culture, we put supreme value on, on so much garbage, sexual identity. What a gar! That's an abomination to God, that we put someone's value and reduce their value to the color of their skin, to their gender. Do you know that's an abomination? No, you have more value than that. Your value is in the image of God. You, right? I mean, and a lot of people are like bankrupt on the inside. If you put your value on all this other stuff that the world puts value in, you're going to feel empty and you're going to feel lonely, and you're going, to want the, you're going to want approval. Please tell me I'm okay. But when you put value, when God puts value, you're the made in image of God. No one can take that away from you. Amen? Amen. Dominican, Dominican, whatever, right? <laughs> right? I'm Dominican. <laughs> what does that matter? I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an image bearer. See the difference? Well, what is, what is going on here? Um, I think it's reasonable to conclude that what, the reason why God is involving himself personally in the concern of Ezekiel 34 is because something of his redemptive purpose with his people has come into great jeopardy. Said again, something of his great purposes, something of the purposes of God, right, has come into peril, has come into jeopardy, has come into that God now says, okay, whoa, 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 whoa. This condition cannot remain. Right? I mean, again, what does that speak of the conditions in Ezekiel? When the shepherds failed to intercede for the people, God said, whoa, 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 whoa. This is a major crisis. You see how the failure to pray? See, we don't, we don't really think like that. We think sexual morality was terrible, and it is. We try to put all these things outside, and, and then we, and then it, they're sinful, absolutely, and they're, you know, sin brings death. But do we ever consider failing to neglect the people of God is a serious issue before God? I don't think God would have acted unilaterally like this unless something of his purpose for his people was in great jeopardy. Something of tremendous value and currency, spiritual value and currency is at risk of being lost. And God now has to intervene. And we, and we find uh, we find we find this 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 radical um, God acts radically when His purposes come under jeopardy. And the scripture that came to me was in Genesis. Go to Genesis chapter twenty. Genesis chapter twenty. And notice how God responds here. And you might say, "Whoa, this seems extreme." Genesis chapter twenty. 
Um, verses 1. From there, Abraham journeyed toward the territory of the Negev and lived between Kadesh and Shur. And he sojourned in Gerar. And Abraham said of his wife, said of, his, of Sarah his wife, she is my sister. Right? So Abraham is journeying away from, you know, and he settles um, in, in Gerar. And, um, and he says to Sarah, um, to someone, um, apparently the king, or some representative of the king, uh, oh, she, she's my sister. Why, why, would, why would he do that? He was probably afraid. Um, it, it seems to assume that Sarah was a beautiful girl. Um, you know, uh, because I think Abraham is, is, is afraid. For his life, and so he, he wants to he wants to kind of med, uh, mediate the situation by simply you know telling Sarah, telling whoever was interested that she's my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. Right? I mean, that tells you a little bit that she must have been pretty beautiful. Sarah must have been very beautiful. Um, and the king immediately said, well, she's your sister, thank you very much. <laughs> He's like, um, bring her this way, you know, and, um, you know, and he took Sarah, right? Okay, well, what's the big deal? But, look at verse 3, but God came. How many times is there, like, adultery, does God come? When um, David slept with Bathsheba, did God come in that night? But this night, God came to Abimelech in a dream and said to him, Hi, my servant. You've done such a great job. I'm pleased at the affairs of your kingdom. Or did he come, um, hey, by the way, I am the Lord God, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. No. He cut to the chase. <laughs> what did God say? Behold, you are dead man. Whoa! <laughs> How many of you be like, okay, did God have this coffee this morning? I mean, you're like, I mean, Lord, hold your horse. You're really jumping. I mean, introduce yourself. <laughs> I am the God of uh, Shavuot of the mountains. <laughs> I, mean, like, I, I don't know. You know like, can, can, we, can we? No, behold, you are dead man. Because of the woman whom you have taken. Why is God acting so severe? Doesn't act like this all the time. People have taken people's wives all the time. But on this occasion, just like Ezekiel 34, but on this occasion, God comes to Abimelech, the king, doesn't even introduce himself, and basically tells and pronounces a death sentence. <laughs> I can see Abimelech. <laughs> what do you say to God? You are a dead man. Not, you will be in the near future, at the present moment, 
you're dead.
I mean, we talk is cheap. How many times people, people can say, well, I'm, I'm innocent. And the Lord says, no, you're not. Shut your hands up. Filthy. Bloodied. Just, you're blind. You don't see it. Right? How many times people just in their arrogance speak, I'm, I'm, I'm right. I'm right. You know, I, you know whatever. And, but not on this occasion. On this occasion, God says, I know. You've done this in integrity. Oh, man, that, that's unbelievable. That, 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 you know, just, it, just, so it, it just raises the, right, the crisis of what's going on because it raises the question that, God, then why are you about to kill this man if he's acting in integrity? So the issue is no longer about what he's doing by himself because he's doing it in integrity. And I kept you from sinning against me, therefore I did not touch you. Therefore, I did not let you touch it. Such a beautiful, what a great promise. Amen? I hope you can. I'm not going to speak on that. But, man, I hope that you can read that and, and be encouraged. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. <laughs> That's a promise of the bride of Christ. Amen? Now then, return the man's wife. For he is a prophet. There goes that ministry of prayer again so that he will pray for you and you will live. See the importance of prayer? Central, even the beginning in Genesis, we're already starting to see the role of prayer, redemptive history. We're starting to see, right? You will, he's going to pray for you and you're going to live. But! <laughs> Guy ain't playing games. God said, let's be like, okay, man, you are, you know, we're good, right? We're good? No, God said, but for the record, if you do not return her, know that you shall surely die, you and all yours. Oh, man. You leave that passage, okay, what is going on, God? You confused me. How many are confused? What did, what did Abraham, what did Abimelech do wrong? What is causing God to act? I mean, in some ways, behold, I, I myself will go to Abimelech. <laughs> I mean, he showed himself in a dream. Something of a major crisis is at stake that it, it requires God to go personally to Abimelech in a dream and tell him, you're a dead man. And by the way, I know that your integrity and all that, yeah, whatever. But if you don't, you're, you're all dead. And so the question is, what is going on? God doesn't do that all the time. Can you imagine that? Wouldn't it be wonderful that every time someone had an adulterous thought? <laughs> well, that, that would be beautiful to me, right? Uh, some sexual morality, pornography, and the Lord appears in the dream and says, Behold, you're a dead man! <laughs> you know, all these counseling centers would be like crickets. <laughs> right? Right? That's, a, that's the mercy of God. You know, you might say, Well, I want God to do that to me. I may want God to do that to you. I want him to do that to you. Amen. I don't want God to let me go. You know, I want him to come to me. If ever Satan puts a thought of adultery, I want God to come to me in my dream and say, you're a dead man. Amen. 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 Maybe. Yes, Lord. Right? Right? Amen? Amen. We're not afraid. We want God whatever, whatever cost. Amen? Amen. I, don't want to, I don't want to go on my way. I want God to stop me in my tracks. 
Amen? Amen. And just blind me with his glory. And I can't see for a few days. It's okay. But if he saves my soul, if he saves me doing something stupid, amen? <laughs> right? Amen. Amen for the truth. And, and you know what? God does that all the time for us. He constantly is like making our hearts, our lives miserable because in order to keep us from doing something stupid. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, let, let, let's be honest. You know, it's, 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 it doesn't just pamper you. You don't want God that pampers you. I don't want God that flatters me and pampers you. I, don't, I want God to tell it to me straight. Am I going the wrong path? Am my heart getting cold? Speak to me. Do whatever you have to do. Bring, bring me back to you. Amen? Amen. We've got to pray like that. You know, this world's passing away. And we're, 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 we're gone. We're all gone in 50. How many of us will be alive in 75 years from now? Oh, Lord. <laughs> where, where, where's Bella? And, uh, <laughs> you know, most of us are going to be gone. We're gone. Not that long for some of us. It's not going <laughs> right? It's not gonna be long. So what do we wait? I want God to keep me and protect me and preserve me. Yes. So that when I awake, I shall behold his face Amen. in righteousness. Amen? Amen. Amen. So so praise God. I think God loved Abimelech. You know why? Otherwise he would have just like, you're dead. But the fact that he intervened. I, and the way he responded, something some would have been like, you know? So what's going on in Abraham? And I think you might say, well, this, what does that have to do with Ezekiel? I'm just giving you an illustration that sometimes God acts unilaterally. And the issue in Abraham, does anyone know what the issue, what was the issue in, in Genesis? Why was Abimelech sleeping with Sarah? <sighs> Such a violation. Does anyone know? Covenantal promise. The seed. The seed. The seed, yeah. God had promised Abraham a seed. And all of God's redemptive plan was coming through that this was no ordinary woman. This was no ordinary adultery. This was no or this was like, whoa, Abimelech. You picked the wrong woman. <laughs> you were dead. I mean, you understand? God's purposes. I mean, poor Abimelech, right? He had no clue. Let's give him a break. <laughs> he had no clue. We gotta give him a break, you know. That's what you know. Let's not assault him too much. He had no clue. He had the integrity of his heart, but he did not know this is Abraham, the father of faith. The seed is coming from Sarah, and God don't mess with his seed. Do you see the difference? Do you see the similarity with Ezekiel? Don't mess with his seed. Don't neglect his children. This is the promised seed. God's people is that seed, right? The shepherds of Israel have no, they're just neglectful. Huh? Who you, you can neglect whatever you want, the sons of Cain, but not, not the children of God. <laughs> right? There's something of great importance. When we neglect the house of God, 
when we neglect to care and love for each other, God becomes involved. And we see that in Genesis, God's purposes, right? God's purposes are bound up with the seed. And that seed is ultimately Christ, but then we are his seed, right? We come out of Christ, spiritually speaking, right? So we are, right? And now when shepherds are put to steward that people, that is not any ordinary kind of thing. When God puts a burden on your heart for God's people, that's not no ordinary thing. You gotta, you gotta preserve it and really consider that sacred before God. That's sacred. Don't treat the people of God like your co-workers. Do not treat the people even like your own family. This is another level. Does that, does that make sense? I know that's hard, but God's purposes are bound up with his people. And when his people are neglected, when his people are scattered, when his people are hurting, God has a problem with that. And he will intervene. And just like he did in Genesis. And just like he's doing in Ezekiel. Do you see the importance of the body? Do you see the importance of caring for one another? Now we say love one another, you know, whatever. But come on, are we taking it to heart? We gotta care for one another. When somebody texts me, my blood pressure rises. Because I know. I gotta respond in a way that adorns the grace of God. When a brother or sister texts me, right? I don't do it all the time, but I want to respond. I don't take anything for granted coming from somebody that I feel is part of hope, especially. Because it's like, well, be careful. Don't just dismiss it. This is consistent neglect of the house of God. You see where I'm going? The first week, God told us, you know, Let's intercede. Let's pray for one another. Last week, take the scripture seriously. Today, the house of God. The gathering. One another. Caring for one another. In a real, real community kind of way. This is not just about the leaders of Israel. This is not just about pastors and ministers. This is about everybody in the body of Christ. Because all of us have been given a stewardship of some kind. All of us. We are our brother's keeper. Does that make sense? We care for one another. We're not like Cain. Cain was like, am I my brother's keeper? And some of you, some of us, right, we can have that attitude. I'm, I'm not the pastor. Don't worry about it. Right? Let's be honest. We, we just like, brother, they're the pastor. No, you, all of us collectively are our brother's keeper. None of us will do this perfectly. So get rid of that. You'll never arrive. You'll never give yourself a diploma. Never. But we, we can grow to care for one another. We can grow to, 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 to pray for one another. And to really not neglect. So that when we see people scattered, that should be a cause for alarm. Amen? Amen. Can I exhort you today? When you consistently neglect the house of God, you jeopardize God's purposes for your lives. Yeah, I know God is sovereign. <laughs> Absolutely. He's sovereign. But don't, you see the 34 is a warning. Yes, God will act. There's some encouragement in us. Hopefully I'll bring that next week. But, but at the same time, don't miss it that there is a jeopardizing of the purposes of God when we don't care for one another, when we don't love each other, when we're not praying for one another. The purposes of God are, are being resisted against. 
Yes, the purpose of God will prevail. Ultimately, he will come. Absolutely. But, but God, is, God is inviting us. Let's care for one another. Let's take each other. Let's not just be another church, right? We are just another church. Let's just be another church. Just another church. But I want us to take it deeper. I, I would love to be able to see love at a greater level, 2023. Caring for one, enjoying each other, delighting to be with each other. I can't wait to see you. Why can't we have that? I can't wait to see you on Thursday. I can't wait to see you Sunday. I can't wait. You know what? I can't wait. I'm going to the house tonight. <laughs> I need to see you. <laughs> you know, just that, that sense of like, I love my brother. <sighs> that motherly love, right? Why can't we be like that? I pray. I prayed for this one for 25 months. Trust me, but I ain't giving up. <laughs> I ain't giving up. I think when we get to heaven, it's gonna be magnificent. Oh, <laughs> this is gonna be awesome. You know, this unity, this love, so magnificent. When the glory of God shines, that's what God is trying to do here. Care for one another. Be patient. But when we when we neglect each other, we suffer great consequences. Look at Haggai chapter 1. Look at Haggai chapter 1. I'm almost wrapping up. Bear with me. And we will get to, he will speak, but I felt the Lord just really put this in my heart. This is 2023. I want to encourage you to seek God in prayer. I want to encourage you to seek Him in His word. But I want to encourage you to encourage one. To, let's be part of a community. Let's, say, let's take it, you know, let's take it to the next level. You know, it's so sad. I, they're saying now that 60, on any given Sunday, only 60% of the church is present. That's the average. Which, they say that only, that primarily uh, people come to church on average twice a month because for whatever reason they're missing one to two Sundays every month. Now, honestly, I'm, I'm telling you right with that, I, <laughs> I, I can't relate with that. I can't relate. I don't ever think in my life I've ever stayed home and the church was meeting unless I was sick or on vacation. Mm -hmm. Now you might say, well, you, know, you, get, you went to church once a week. No, we went to church six times a week when I was <laughs> You know, so I can't relate to that. But, but I, and I'm so glad that God put this value in me. But I want that value to grow. Now every time the church gathers, man, I want to be there because God is present. Amen? But look at what Haggai says. Thus says the Lord God of hosts, Lord of hosts, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Can I tell you that the house in America, the Christian house in America, is in utter ruins? Utter ruins. Right? So the Lord. The fact that the house is in ruins does not, right, Amanda? The fact that the house is in ruins is not an excuse to say, well, it's in ruins anyway. No, the fact that the house is in ruins is actually more of an issue. God expects us to be even more involved to try and repair the breaches, to build up the walls, right? So don't, yeah, it's in ruins. There's a lot of stuff happening in the church. Sometimes you're like, oh, God, what's happening to us? This is become a carnival. Right? And so, but I'm not going to give up. We're going to continue to keep the charge of the house, right? We're going to continue to keep the charge. Mm -hmm. 
Now therefore, thus says the Lord, consider your ways. You have so much harvested little. Now, for some of you, I believe God's going to speak. I remember there was a time in my life God spoke to me. <laughs> I know. That was your turn. <laughs> and you, some of you, God's saying, consider your ways. Look, just, just stop. Stop. Don't get so busy. Take inventory. And make an analysis, an assessment of your life over the past six months, two years, whatever. You have so much harvested milk. You eat, you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourself, but no one is warm. He who owns worries to put them into a bag of holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hill, bring wood, and build the house that I may take pleasure in it. That I may be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much, behold, it came to little. When you brought it home, I blew it away. Why? Because the Lord of hope, because of my house that lies in ruins. While each of you busies it. Well, what's the main reason people don't come to church? I am too busy. busy. <laughs> we, God, God's word is so, right? We busy ourselves, right? Busy ourselves, right? With his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you have withheld the dew. The earth has withheld its produce and have called for a drought. You know, sometimes when we neglect, when we neglect, right? When we neglect the house of God, and we're living at a time that it is very, very easy to, to God's made it easy for you to neglect the house of God. God has done that. A lot of people, you know, they even said now that 40, 40% of people that have left during COVID will, won't be coming back. But we're going to press the issue. We want to build the house of God. God has a work. God's building his church. Jesus building his church. Can we, let's come alongside of him. Let's become, let's say, well, God, help me to find my place. Help me to find my good. Help me to make this a priority in my life. Do you care that the house of God is in ruins? Does it matter to you? Yeah. Now, I just want to encourage you. Let me, let me, and, and, um, let me encourage you. Because all of us, you know, we need to hear this. You know, just to, to care for one another. And it's not just about coming to church. That's a major part of it, but it's caring for one another. It's, it's taking concern and interest for each other. I believe that some of you will commit a year to just come every time the church meets. I, I bet you that so many of your problems will either grow away or your perspective will change. I, I believe that. 100%. The reason I come is because I need the Lord. And I have found that in the gathering, there is an administration of the grace of God that I do not find when I'm alone. I find much grace alone. I find greater grace together. It's not complicated. So I don't neglect my right, but I know that when I come here, it's clearly there's a double portion. I don't, I don't know about you, but I, I was I had an addictive personality when I was. So if you give me, I like ice cream. I'm gonna eat it all the time, you know. And to me, it's not complicated. It's like I want a double portion of grace. So where am I gonna go? To the house of God. Not complicated. I've learned this is it. Look, look, look at Psalm 20, verse two. Look, look. I read the scripture years ago, and it was just so helpful. Psalm 20, verse 2. May he... Psalm 20, 
verse 2. <laughs> you, can, you can look at Psalm 20, verse 2. There we go. May he, how many want help? <laughs> Some of you are good. I need help. I need help. So pray for me for those who don't have any problems. <laughs> Imagine these help. But listen, may he send you help from where? <laughs> YouTube? From the sanctuary. Who's the sanctuary? We are the temple. Of the Holy Spirit. Let me interpret this for you. God only, now, you might say, oh, I don't get that. I'll fight tooth and nail. God only sells, sends help from the sanctuary. Alright? God only sends help from the sanctuary. Now, you might say, well, what does that mean? Well, that's a good question. But I believe that when God speaks these things, He'll talk. There's an absolute. May he send you help. In other words, God does not violate that. It says, you know what? I'll send help from a different place today. No. Right? God is consistent. Help! Sanctuary. Even Pastor Paul. You gotta love it. Here he is, he's blind. And God could have came to Pastor Paul. Paul, you're my servant. And I have appointed you to be a light of the Gentiles. <laughs> Whatever. No! Ananias, I needed to teach Paul a very important lesson. Go, you go. Paul is dependent on the church, on the instruments of God to bring him understanding. He said, pray for him. This was no like Paul and Jesus kind of moment. No. Ananias, wake up. Go down. He always sends self in the sanctuary. How many people are struggling? And this is what breaks my heart. Struggling so much, and they would, they would just commit to the house of God. It's amazing how God would begin to restructure emotionally, mentally, financially. God would begin to do wonderful things because, hey, He sends help from the sanctuary. Mm -hmm. But that's not the only thing, it's not just help. May He give you what? Support. From where? Zion. Where's Zion? Where is Zion? Yeah. Hebrews 11. We have come to Mount Zion. Right? A gathering. The place, right? So God sends help from the sanctuary and sends help and support from Zion. That's the way it works. So you're going to find as a human, you're going to need help. And you're going to need support. And the tendency will be to try to find help and support in every other place except the sanctuary and in Zion. Last scripture. Commit yourself, right? Commit yourself. I hope you can see God's hand. I mean, last night I was like, whoa, God. So now you want us to encourage them in the house of God. I said, yep. Look at Psalm 84. Let's stand. Let's stand. Psalm 84. And um, Abby, you can come and put Psalm 84. And um, Sarah, if you don't mind going to. Psalm 84. And let's say, let's say this together. Psalm 84, verses 4. Right, Psalm 84, 4. Um, Psalm 84, 4. Did I miss that one, Abby? No. Okay. Let's, say the, let's say it together. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Again, blessed 
are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praises. Who are blessed? Why is that so hard? Do you want the blessing of God? How do you go about it? I mean, I mean, that's a serious question. How do you go about getting the blessing of God? Right. He's telling us. Remain, right? To dwell in the, is, the, is the idea of the word dwell there is permanent residence. It's not like visitation. So it, it really has to do with to dwell, said to dwell in the house. It's like a permanent place of residence. Except remain. Blessed are those who remain, who dwell permanently in your house. And the the evidence and the manifestation of that blessing is what? Jesus, you are my everything. I love to sing to your praise. He fills you with songs. <laughs> uh, yeah, God is just so magnificent. Yeah. What is, why is it so hard? I, you know why it's hard, right? <laughs> Because of people, if, if the sanctuary had no people, I would be there every day. But the problem is, there's people. And they rub us wrong. And I don't get along with them. And they're kind of weird. Right? So, how many of you are bound by that still? You guys are weird. I'm pulling any punches. <laughs> crazy all the time. They, they've written me letters of repentance and all kinds of things. <laughs> I'm just weird. I'm just, you know, I'm a fanatic. I'm, I'm just like, we're all weird. But I love you. Yeah, I love you. I wouldn't want any other ones. And so, blessed are those who dwell in your house. Make the house of God a priority. To say, you know, I know he's weird, but I love him. And I'm going to learn to grow to love him. And I'm going to be patient. And I'm going to do this. You know? And it's amazing what God does through that love for each other. And then we start to build a community. And the people say, whoa, wait a minute. This is kind of different. You see God forcing. Why did God did it this way? He did not have to do it this way. He's free to do whatever he wants. And we're going to get to that when we start talking about the church. This is all rooted in the fact that God is a trinity. He's a community. God is essentially a community. Amen. <laughs> Two on that for tonight. <laughs> He's never been alone. He's never said, you know, Father, Spirit, you know. <laughs> yes. I just need some downtime. <laughs> no. They're a perfect community. So... All that he is, is now revealed to us. So he's made a house, a community that reflects who he is. There's no other way to life except through the community that comes forth from God. 
as a Trinitarian, Trinitarian reality, but an expressing people. It's magnificent. I, I thought the thought about that, I'm like, this is so sublime. He could have made us alone and independent, but that's not the way it works. And so I want to encourage you, 2023, this is the beginning of a new year. You can either continue to kind of go, or you say, no, I want to make some real uh, commits with the help of God. We, none of us can do anything apart from Christ. But to say, no, I want to really commit myself to my brother and my sister this year. Uh, I want, you don't have to be in church every day. You know, but you can do one thing. You can say, okay, you know, gonna, I want to do something. You can talk to us and say, hey, you know, how could I, how could I be a part of this? Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They're ever singing your praise. If they're singing their praise, it's because they are what? They're happy. Right? Right? They're happy. Singing is an expression of joy. How many, you know, don't have joy? I mean, my heart breaks because sometimes I see countenance and I say, oh God, where's the joy of the Lord? The joy of the Lord is our strength. When's the last time you laughed? <laughs> Not at a TV show. <laughs> I laugh all the time when the Lord's sleeping and I'm, and I'm, I'm reading something and she'll hear me like giggle. <laughs> it's just, try to sleep. <laughs> but how about this? I mean, last night I was reading something in scripture and I just burst in laughing. I laughed when, the, when I read, but no for certain. <laughs> You and your house isn't dead. That's like, why am I laughing? I don't know I'm laughing. I just find it, I just find it funny that God is not playing games. <laughs> this is a serious moment. I love it, you know. But it's the joy of the Lord. It's, you know, yeah, we suffer. Yeah, I'm going through things that, you know, you all know what I'm going through. That doesn't mean that there's no joy. So I want, I want to pray. I want to pray for you guys. If you... Some of you want, you know, this is this is a hard one for us American Christians. Um, we can pray, we can read our Bibles, but when it comes to people relationship, that's when we fall apart. <laughs> We're like, we fall apart, I mean, the whole house of cards falls apart. It's like, what happened? It started so well. <laughs> but can you even believe God for a miracle that he wants to bind us together with cords of love that cannot be broken? And that takes commitment to each other, time, not being in a rush, Hope that there's no one here saying, oh, this got too long. Really? I could be with you forever. Right? Let's not be in a rush. Let's ask God. And if you feel the need to come to the front and just ask God to, to um, just strengthen these convictions, deepen your understanding. A lot of this, I can't, I can't persuade you. A lot of it is just getting into the scriptures and seeing how important, and in the scriptures like, like this, bless those who dwell in your house. You know, not blessing those who just do Bible study or bless those who just pray. But there's an emphasis and an accent on remaining in the house as a essential primary means of the blessing of God. And so if you want to... Um, There is a song, I believe, um, I want to say, let's sing Worthy of It All. Uh, 
Like, Jesus is so worthy. But let's let's give the Holy Spirit some, some time to serve up. Just let's not be in a rush. We'll, we'll just linger for another five minutes or so. Uh, but let's ask him to do a work. This is so important for me. This is, you know how it is. I, I've been saying this for 10 years. I want, I want to see God do this. So if you feel, feel led to come to the front, kneel down and just pray, you know, I just want to encourage you to do that. You know, in the meantime, let's say, uh, worthy of it all. And again, let's give time to the Holy Spirit. Jesus, and we thank you so much, Lord. These are realities that are truth that we want to steward, Lord. Before we go home to ask you to do these things in our hearts, Lord. That you would enlarge us all. You want love for your people love for your house. And so I pray Holy Spirit come and, um, and just draw by your spirit. It will be wonderful to see others praying for each other, encouraging one another. Lord, in obedience to your word. And so come Holy Spirit and just uh, seal this moment in our hearts. Uh, only you can do it, Lord. You are worthy of
so that it can transcend even being present in a location and yet our hearts remain one. Do that wonderful work in all of us. Begin with me, working in Ron, and Lord, do it in all of us. Deepen our love, our fellowship for one another, for the glory of your name. Thank you so much, Lord, for what you've done today. Bless your people as they go home. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Lord bless you. Don't forget, if you want to go to Good Shepherd tonight, 6 o'clock, we'll be there.